Welcome back to Shredder's Not Dead. If they make you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. And I'm joined today by Johannes of the amazing Avatar, fresh off the back of the announcement that you will be out here touring Australia very soon. Yes, indeed. For the first time. And it's about time. I think we've been uh, deprived of a, a tour from you guys for a, a long time. And uh, you're an amazing band. You've achieved a lot. And now you've well, thank you. ticked off the most impressive thing in your career, which is obviously coming over here. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's something to be said about, you know, getting break open that door for the first time into any place of the world that you usually don't play. Um, we spent most of our careers in that part of the world that thinks it's the whole world, meaning where we're from. Uh, so, no, but, I mean, to get to go somewhere for the first time, it is a big deal. It feels like a achievement in itself. So, all jokes aside, uh, we're excited. Yeah, and uh, Dance Devil Dance had a pretty huge reception over here, uh, particularly in the charting numbers, if they mean anything in this day and age. I suppose it counts for something. Um, I imagine you're pretty keen to keep that energy uh, going in terms of the reception for the record over here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... We, uh, it's ultimately a continuation of what's been going on this whole year. You know, we have put together the, here comes the sales pitch, but it just happens to align very well with how I feel that the, we, right now we're putting on the best shows we ever have. And, uh, and it's just to find more places to get to do that, uh, across the world. That's the whole, the whole idea. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the record's been out a little while now. And like you said, you guys feel like you're doing your best live shows you have in a while. So how do you feel that the songs of Dance Devil Dance have started to uh, go now that they've had that room to grow? And, uh, you know, a bit of time after release and a bit of performing it live obviously gives the songs, uh, shall we say, a different angle to when they're first released. So is that uh, is the feelings towards it change much within the band? Uh, no, I mean, there's certainly the thing of, Actually, here, here's here's the thing. Historically, the way it's happened for a couple of albums, really, a whole lot of them up until we were forced to stay home for Hunter Gatherer, we ended up being on the road already at the time of the release of a new album. So, because the just how touring and release schedule lined up this time, where we had time to put out a few of the songs and have the actual album drop at least a little bit before we hit the road, it already felt like they were golden oldies by comparison. Well, you know, just for Avatar Country and what came before, uh, Hunt the Gather and Hail the Apocalypse, I think all three of them was kind of, and here's a song that you guys are going to love in two weeks. Trust us. <laughs> uh, so, so the integration for that reason was pretty easy and uh, uh and i think also due to the nature nature of how it was recorded live uh the album in a sense not me i won't do that but uh the vocals don't quite work like that on albums but um like we recorded everything with the musicians sitting in a room together uh actually to for drum and bass was all done we kept those takes but we're all and so we record song by song instead of instrument by instrument uh then the guitar players would be there play the whole song so i would lace a scratch track 
for a couple of takes, but then the focus on the instrumental part. Uh, guitar players were just there for the whole thing, so that every time Henrik and John, you know, laid down tracks for it, they were actually playing the songs and not just parts. Then to be able to do more with the guitar sound uh, individually, track by track, and try things out, guitars get redubbed, and then it's me. But that means that there's ultimately from the very beginning, starting of course in rehearsal, but way into the studio process where we where it's a band playing together in one shape or another. So you really have a very close relationship to what it feels like to lock in with each other and not just listen to the click track or whatever and while doing the songs. So in terms of that syncing new music to that inner clockwork of you before you bring it on stage, we had done quite a bit of that by comparison mm. to earlier album cycles. So it was a nice, sweet, easy transition. And I mean, now the album's been out for a while and still is doing well and still help, helping us grow and doing all those things. But I kept going around saying, and I still feel like this is, and sorry, every singer says that for every album we're supposed to, that's a job, but it's the best album we ever made. Uh, I stand by it, but that also, um, <laughs> uh, that put wind in our sails in terms of uh, with what attitude also the new material had on stage at the beginning of, of, of touring. Just like, oh, and you're going to love this now. A lot of confidence pushed it into feeling just as natural as any other of the stuff we play forever. Coming full circle and back to my next question, um, taking that momentum, bring it over here. So given that it's been... A while in the works. Could you tell us a little bit about how the Australian tour has come to be? And uh, I imagine you've probably tried to maybe have some shots at it in the past. And have you ever been close before? Yes, we've been close, and we've been, you know, yelling at people and trying to get on certain festival circuits that 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 you guys fly in a bunch of Europeans and Americans for. Usually, with mm. the, the pure practicality of white work this time. Well, we have kept the same booking agent for a while now, so meaning we are happy with him. And uh, I don't know, really. That's a question for the grown-ups, why it would have happened now. Um, my feeling was always, we are, have been very always pushed for, especially since we got a good stronghold in uh, North America and uh, Western and Central Europe in particular, but now Eastern Europe for sure as well. Like... Um, home turf so to speak it's it's very comfortable nowadays in that thinking oh if we will tour there or there or stuff now we have built a relationship to the audience and then people in offices picking up the phone when we call so that we can strategize of when and how and what we want to do and but then we always chase uh, try to go for the places where we are underdogs where we got something to prove and where we simply haven't been yet so We've been nagging about it. So it's that list of uh, that Australia has been on alongside complaining. We're the only Swedish band ever that hasn't played Japan yet. What's wrong with you guys? Or, or finally breaking into South America for the first time last year, going there with Iron Maiden and stuff. Um, no, so finally a promoter is willing to roll the dice with us. And I also understand that it's a long flight. So, you know, for a Swedish band, you can 
when you're a teenager or in the early 20s and starting out and learning the ropes, you can go jump in a van and fail in Germany as many times as you please. And it's not really that much skin off your back. And with Australia, it's just, you, I guess you simply need a lot of momentum mm. uh, many times uh, for people to roll the dice on it. And I'm being told we're doing well enough now. And, but I mean, it's all about this time. It's all about making that statement and people need to get that ticket, show up, brag about it and uh, tell everybody else what they missed. And then we come back to a 10 times bigger place next time. But it's all about now, again, kicking that door in. Yeah, well, for those listening along at home, here's your excuse. Hit the pause button uh, now. Come back when you've bought your ticket and then we'll keep talking. <laughs> exactly. Outside of that, have you got any sightseeing or anything you'd like to do that's a bit touristy outside of the tour, uh, outside of the tour itself in mind? Or is it going to be uh, strictly a business affair? It is a short trip this time and it will be pretty intense in and out uh, just because of what else is happening in our lives hmm. i if i don't see one kangaroo <laughs> i'll i'll be pissed uh <laughs> preferably in the wild uh, uh but also my wife who is an much an animal lover so i am also threatens to divorce me if i see a kangaroo and she's not there she won't <laughs> be there. so so my marriage is hanging loose from that from that standpoint right now but the, there's also a, a very cool thing one thing i love when you go to a place for the first time, you don't need much. Over time, I mean, we intend to make Australia, like so many other places for us in the world, a home from home over time. Uh, and I want to do it all and see, see it all. Um, first time you're in a country, street lights are different. The, the selection of candy in a gas station is different. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it takes a little yeah. and those, all those first impressions, you know, if you soak it in a little bit, it means that the fact that this, this trip will be too short is fine. You know, we'll expand on, on it over time, but give me one kangaroo, zero spiders. And if someone it lives up to this like Crocodile Dundee was one of my favorite films <laughs> at home as a kid. And if at least one fella lives manages to somehow live up to that stereotype, um, I'll I'll be delighted. Yeah. Well, oh, kangaroos in the inner cities might be a bit tough, but you don't have to go too far out of the uh, the metro regions to start running into them. Uh, evening, you know, larger suburbs and uh, and sort of country towns around the cities they're not not too so uncommon but an uber ride from a to b or something or whatever ride share app gig economy dystopian system you have yeah. but you know uh whichever thing like that a second look out there because you know i'm from sweden i've seen plenty of moose uh i deem it being equal or road air or stuff like that so I, i've been told it's equally common at least as equally common also, emus. I want to say an emu in the wild. Fierce <laughs> warriors, I'm told. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, I was lucky enough myself to visit uh, nearby nearby that part of the world, Scandinavia in general, last year. And I have to say, for all the hype that we get, and I say this to a lot of, of uh, Nordics, that 
as terrifying as the thought of some of our snakes and spiders are, I would not want to run into a moose in a situation where I'm cornered by it or it's uh, it feels threatened or anything. Those things are terrifying compared yeah, to a little. But uh, you will never you will never have to fear you know that a that a moose has crawled down your boot. <laughs> and that you, <laughs> that's their size, and also that they they're not predators. They don't really they aren't built to kill necessarily unless you threaten their you know their calves or, and stuff like that or if you're between a really horny bull and a cow and you know like it's it, <laughs> you're just usually you just keep your distance a bit and enjoy the moment there's no enjoying the moment with, with your crawling creeping things <laughs> as far as I'm told. then it's also what you've grown up around i mean you're still alive so yeah. is making it from year to year <laughs> yeah well that's it i mean i think you'll be pretty safe other than brisbane uh brisbane has a lot of spiders in the inner city uh particularly because of the river big uh golden orb weavers the size of your hand and uh i mean you don't need to be too worried about them you'll you'll see them pretty easily they're pretty big but um they do like to catch the odd small bird or rodent in their big webs so when you see one of those keep that in mind that that's what they're uh that's what they're set up to do I'm not a bird. I should be fine. I'll try to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the other big differences, I suppose, on sort of touching on what we're talking about is the uh, the culture differences and the personality differences between our parts of the world are quite large. And, you know, I uh, I found in when I went and saw uh, Norway and Denmark in particular, the um, I really got along with a lot of people. And I think uh, I got a lot of friends over there now that I keep in touch with. And in general, I think, people were surprised to hear oh like that you sure they were really friendly and happy to chat and all that sort of stuff and yeah hell yeah they are but um i guess what i'm getting at is you're looking forward to the culture shock differences and uh have you uh have you got any uh sort of like cultural things in mind in that that you're interested to find out while you're over here hmm i wonder if i have circled anything in that i like that i mean we hear about Australia enough in our lives. I feel that it's it's not quite like going to. There are parts of the world I feel that I would deem would be more going to a different planet from a people standpoint. But I mean, everywhere, everywhere, if someone from Northern Europe goes to, you always feel that people are more open and easygoing about things. I mean, we are a friendly bunch. It's just we're stiff in the beginning. I think people tend to agree on. Mm. Mm. And supposedly it's less less of that. Then, uh, I mean, again, I won't have time for it uh, this time. But in anything, and I, I don't think I will. But anything and everything about when it come when you come to places where the indigenous culture is such a big part of how we perceive the country from from the outside and what we know about it and stuff and. What does to learn from there? There, over time, I hope to, you know, see more, learn more, uh, participate in more, and mm. anything. I like. I don't know. I had a without the band. Um, I've spent some time in Mexico the other year, and just everything when you in modern times, how you deal with decolonialism and uh, and and how that shapes uh, a nation and what what is the history that is usually quite sad in those things and then where are we today with it 
and how that shapes what you see around you and stuff. And in Mexico City was so evident the presence of indigenous cultures, uh, post-colonials, that melting pot. And now what I felt was overall, in, you know, in the way I got to see it, a place that was trying to do its best with the current day situation and what that means. And I mean, the politics of that and what that means at large is very interesting to me. So, hmm. so more of that rather than surfer dudes, I guess, is where I, yeah, absolutely. If I, if I really start to think about it. You've definitely picked an interesting time to be over here in terms of that. And I'm sure you'll hear a lot about it, but we're in the middle of a national uh, referendum. Yeah, is what you'd call it about right. uh, Indigenous uh, rights and writing them into our constitution. I think I don't think it's currently this way, but at one point in our very troubled history, we had the Indigenous population written in as uh, members of the flora and fauna. And we've come a long way since then, but there'll be another referendum wow. soon, possibly even around the time that you're over here, um, where people will vote on... Uh, essentially a representation of the indigenous population to parliament and yeah it's um it's really interesting and you'll probably learn a lot about it if it uh, if it comes up and if it'll be a in the cultural conscience while you're over here for sure um there's all sorts of uh yeah and you know with politics and, and all that there's always people who will support it for the right reasons and support it for the wrong reasons and oppose it for maybe good intentions and those who uh, oppose it because they, um, you know, that's their political belief, if you will. Mm. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's they'll a, definitely be- It's a tricky, be... touchy thing, but endlessly interesting to me. Uh, it's, was it, speaking of uh, trouble history of it, isn't it uh, an Australian friend here told me one of those famous explorers and stuff, I think, perished in the wilderness in Australia because, according to the diary, like, there's no one out here to help me. I'm all alone. Blah, 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 blah. And then ran into some savages, like aborig Aboriginals, basically, like, hey, man, you're thirsty. <laughs> but they were too brown for his preference to for him to accept the help. So he said, <laughs> there are no sensible humans out here to help me. And, <laughs> and he, you know, Ra literally suicide by racism. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't remember who it was, and I think it's one of those famous names, the way I was told it. Told it. But basically, when it, it reminds me of it, when you talk about how in the Constitution they weren't even human at some one point, reminds me of being told that story. Yeah. Well, I'll uh, I'll fact check that and write a little note in at the end of this episode and uh, find out what that but is. But I mean, podcast, I you ruined the fun if the fact fact check things too closely <laughs> you realize it would be like five percent of the podcast in the world if, if things have to be checked what people spewed out yeah jo joe rogan set the example and i'm oh, yeah. i'm not going to go any higher than that bar <laughs> no <laughs> speaking of i think we're uh we're coming up on time do you have any last thoughts you want to share with us, Johannes? Any other uh, pearls of wisdom or things you're excited for about the tour or messages out here to the Aussie fans? I said the thing, right? I said the thing that we are on the road with the greatest album we have ever made, putting on the greatest shows we ever have. Um, uh, and I'm out here here at home on my island uh, trying to, bring, to run over 10Ks here and there to, you know, 
to be able to deliver that thing we decided to deliver where we stand on stage for close to two hours every night and make it feel like 45 minutes because we na- we're nailing it and you don't want to miss it. Can't miss it. It's like the first thing they teach you in public speaking school. You've got to tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them again, and then tell them what you've told them. That's... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how you uh, how you make that school report a bit meatier? Yeah, <laughs> you land yeah. wrote uh, forty leagues under the sea or whatever, eighty leagues under the sea. Yeah, under the sea. So the was written and yeah. <laughs> well, you got an A plus for that one. So, actually, I do have one more question. On that note, it's reminded me uh, something I wanted to ask. And Avatar have done a really good job of um, setting the example on how to brand. A band, and I mean that in a positive way. I don't mean that yeah, sure. you know, you're selling out or you're... I think that when you think of Avatar, you think of a very specific set of visual cues that come mm. with what you guys do, and it really builds um, into the art of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, from a practical point of view, does that have to be considered when you're taking 32 hours worth of flights over to this part of the world? Are there any limitations? And, you know, without giving... Uh, Without giving away any surprises that we might see on stage, uh, I suppose we can expect a pretty uh, impressive stage show from if the YouTube videos are anything to go by. Yes, uh, yes, you can. Certain things just won't fit in a container and be shipped on time over there. But then we we are also able to think on our feet uh, and and uh, adjust so that it's still just as theatrical, just as big time just as significant of shows um, in comparison to those when we get to, you know, drive a truck around uh, 25 shows in a row in Europe. It will be a lot of things will be very recognizable and a lot of things will be invented specifically for you. Uh, so, so it's not a it's not a bad deal at all from that standpoint. And as far as it goes, yeah, that branding. I think the magic for us was always that once once we we did we developed our image as a band would have uh, for real the day when we learned to listen to the songs and look for it and not to make it part of the art project to to hmm. kind of go all in on what we wanted creatively made it so much easier to put together something that we feel comfortable selling and and. You know what I mean? Like it's absolutely so stop thinking art. And we started to think art instead of image. And then that leads to something that would be considered a good image for, for, for what we're doing nowadays. And I guess yeah, that's I, the trick. And then we are in love with the art form of, it's not just music. Being in a band is a form of art itself. Show business, hmm. entertainment done right. is an art form in itself. And we're into all of it. No, absolutely. I think there's a lot of examples of bands who have tried to put the uh, the cart before the horse in terms of uh, having an image. And then if you remove all the visuals, if you remove all the uh, the stage presence and all that, what you're left with is just kind of ordinary music. Exactly. Uh, and it just has to rhyme with who you are, where you're from in your life, you know, what you bring to the table. Like, um, I always go to seeing Behemoth and Cannibal Corpse co-headlining and how each of them were the perfect representation of exactly what they should be. Like seeing, I think Behemoth played first, and I was all, this is the greatest thing ever. Nothing can be cooler than this. And mm. Cannibal Corpse did visually the opposite. 
and I feel this is the greatest thing ever. Nothing can be cooler than this. Then imagine Cannibal Corpse in, in corpse paint and all that smoke on stage and those welded, uh, badass satanic mic stands and whatnot and the synchronized headbanging. And it would feel ridiculous. So it's all about also, again, listening to that inner voice and and you have to believe it in order for others to believe it. Exactly. I actually couldn't think of a better co-headliner than that exact example. The last little section of this interview was cut off due to some recording issues. However, you can get your tickets now to catch Avatar on their Dance Devil Dance Australian tour, kicking off on the 25th of August and heading up the east coast of Australia. I've been your host, Jordan, and I will catch you on the next episode of Shred Is Not Dead.